You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. Can I, can I just um, recommend a few books to you? I know it's a bit of a funny way to start, but over Christmas you might have a bit of time to read. You might want to buy somebody a present that invests in their lives. I'm, I'm not trying to sell books. Um, we do sell a few here. We don't make any money on them. and think, I think we lose a little bit on them, but there's online retailers you can buy your own books, really. But um, I guess what I want to say is there's some books that I think are really helpful for shaping vision and values and who we are as a church. So um, one is called Vineyard Values, kind of is what it says. But in terms of who we are as a church and all that we're trying to be, if, if you're new to that, you may find that a really helpful read. Um, the other one is called Power Healing. Honestly, that is a brilliant read. If you're carrying hurt or pain or things in your life that have been wounds and challenges, I could not recommend that book more highly. Um, equally, for the, for the people that we are, for the fact that we want to see people healed and set free and walk into the fullness of God, actually I think that's a really helpful read for all of us to, to fully be equipped and resourced to help people do that. The final one is a new one. I don't think we sell it yet because it's too new out. Um, but it's called Scattered Servants. Honestly, if you were going to read one book, read the Bible. Um, if, if you were going to read another book, this, this would be it. Um, for, for, for who we are and what we carry, it feels like it's a foretaste of some of the stuff that we're trying to press into. It feels like if there was a, a book written about us five, ten years ahead, you're like, oh gosh, this really resonates with us. It's, um, it's a book about unleashing the church to bring life to the city. And surely that's the, the people that we want to be. I couldn't recommend it more highly. The guy that wrote it used to lead Causeway Coast Vineyard. He now leads the Anaheim Vineyard. And um, is the best book I've read in a long time. If you don't find it so, then sorry. But I think it's a great read. Um, if, if you're just joining us this morning, we're a, we're a church plant that's about two and a half years in, and I think it, I often find it really funny how um, people expect you to look. Have you ever thought about that when you turn up at church, what it's going to be look like, what you're going to do? People expect a, um, expect a certain degree of structure and routine. Even just by going to church, I think, in your, in your mind, often the generation we are, we expect a certain thing to happen when, when we get there. And today, because it's nearly Christmas, I thought I'd get away with just throwing it up in the air slightly. So just to warn you, I don't know if, if at Christmas you've ever found anywhere, you just don't even know what day it is. You know, like, is it Saturday? Is it Monday? I'm not working. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Everything's completely out of the window. The fact you even eat chocolates for breakfast and that's okay. Um, people cut down a tree and drag it into their house. That normally would be odd. But if you've got a plastic tree, often people then buy a thing that smells to make it smell like you've cut down a tree. It's like, hang on, which one's odd? Here. Um, and then at no other time of the year does your nan wear a silly hat all day and think she's the queen. Have you ever found that? It's like, what's that all about? Um, so I, I just think this is a bizarre time of year. In, in many ways. And today, rather than give a talk like you might be expecting, I just wanted to share 12 reflections. Um, I'm not going to sing them. 
and I'm not going to repeat each one going back as we go, so don't panic about that. But we can often get caught in a structure and a process, and um, it doesn't always then give the freedom to say what I actually think might be helpful or what I think the Lord might be saying. And um, I want to do that today. And, well, we'll see what that does in your hearts. For me, honestly, I, there's not many talks I've written where I've been absolutely paralysed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just writing this was like, whew, the Lord spoke to me, even if he doesn't speak to you, so we'll see what happens. But um, some of you may feel like there's elements of this you've heard before. I, I don't want it to be a conclusion to the year, but I think there's some helpful things that might be appropriate to touch on again. So, um, point one, reflection one. Can I just start by talking about Jesus? Would point one be Jesus? George Whitfield, a guy in the 1700s, he preached what they think was 18,000 times over his lifetime to over 10 million people alongside John and Charles Wesley formed the Methodist Church and is attributed for the great awakening that happened in America. He said this, God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking about Jesus to them. Honestly, forgive me this year if I've not made enough of Jesus, if I've not mentioned him enough, if I've not told you of my love for him enough, if I've not stirred your hearts or your affections for Jesus enough. Even that song we sang this morning, let every heart prepare him room. Would we prepare room in it for him in our hearts? My friend, my king, my saviour, my lord, my dad, my Abba father, the almighty one, the alpha, the omega, the... Advocate, the author and perfecter of our faith, the authority, the bread of life, the beloved son, the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone, the deliverer, the faithful and true one, the good shepherd, the great high priest, the head of the church, the holy servant, the great I am, Emmanuel, the indescribable gift, the judge, the king of kings, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the lion of Judah, the lord of all the mediator, the messiah, the mighty one, the one who sets free, our hope, our peace, our prophet, our redeemer, the risen one, the rock, the sacrifice for our sins, the saviour, the son of man, the son of the most high, the supreme creator of all, the resurrection and the life, the doorway, the life, the way, the true word, the true vine, the truth, the victorious one, the wonderful counsel, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, my comforter, my deliverer, my my rock, my strong tower, my fortress. I could go on and on and on. Have we spoken of him enough? Have I made enough of him that you would turn your life over to the fullness of who he is? Please forgive me if I haven't. Let's just take a moment to do so now. I love Jesus. The part I see, I want to see more. The part I know, I long to know more and I long deeply, deeply, deeply for the same for you. Do you know Jesus? Honestly, do you know Jesus? The Jesus in the manger is the subject of this beautiful Christmas scene, but we can't leave it there. This tiny little helpless baby that lived an amazing life, died, ascended to heaven, and one day will return, return to the earth as king of kings as he is now. Do we still picture Jesus as a baby in the manger? I want to encourage us not to underestimate Jesus. We need to let him grow up in our lives. Second 
reflection would be just because we grow older doesn't mean we grow wiser. You know, as you look at the coming year and the year ahead, how, how do you find environments to change, to allow that, to, to find environments that will shape you, to allow the, you to be the person that God has called you to be, to allow you to become more like Jesus, not just remaining as you are or who you were. Just because we go through something that is hard or challenging or presents opportunities for growth doesn't actually mean we grow. I think we've got to be quite intentional in fostering that. Can I, can I ask you how we might do that in this coming year? Who will you allow to, to speak into your life? How do you choose and find environments to be around people that will shape and refine you? Have you, have you ever thought about that? Are you, as you reflect on this year, are you, are you the better you? As, as this year caused you to, to fall on your face before Jesus like never before? As this year caused you to discover more about yourself and lay down some of the things that hinder you from being all that God has called you to be? The, the third reflection would be, can, can we be people that live as intentionally as we possibly can? You know, I often think the hard stage is actually the easy stage. You know, in so, in so many ways we see this stage of a church plant as the hard stage because it means that we all need to be involved. We all need to put our shoulder to the plough. We all need to be really intentional about inviting people. And then I think, hang on a minute... Isn't that what we're all meant to be doing all the time anyway? Do you see what I mean? I think we need to be really intentional about this. I was in the supermarket the other day and I've gone to pick up the, you know, the quick scanner thing that sometimes you can get. And as I swipe my card to release my quick scanner, another lady used the scanner thing next to me and swiped her card at the same time. Now, normally it pops up your name so that you know which your scanner is. And um, it didn't show my name on mine and it didn't show it on hers. So we had this moment of like, whose scanner is this anyway? And um, instantly popped into my head. It would, I don't know whether it popped into everyone's head, but it popped into mine and I thought, we've got a kingdom moment here. And uh, I've got this moment where I could interact with somebody and share something about Jesus and seize what's happening in the natural to see what might happen in the, the supernatural. And I, I bumbled something out and she fell to her knees and gave her life to Jesus. <laughs> she didn't. I'm so sorry she didn't. Um, she looked at me like I'd absolutely lost the plot. And um, we went our separate ways and I sorted the scanner thing out so that I wasn't paying for her shopping. That was the main thing. But I, was, I wasn't too deflated. You know, it was, it was more of an obedience thing than a success thing. I, I lived to fight another day. I kind of went around the supermarket muttering to myself and giving myself a little pep talk. You know, don't worry about it. It's about sowing seed and keeping intentional. It's not about getting it right and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Then I, I see this guy that I know and... I say I know him, I, I kind of know him because I see him a lot, and it get, it's got to the point where I see him so much we acknowledge each other, and we chat, and that's kind of how I know him. Um, so I know him because I've been intentional with him, I'm, I'm kind of getting to know him. So we're chatting away, and he's telling me that he's having some work done on his house, and he's trying to sort out how to get the stuff moved back into his house, and he needs a van. And I'm like, oh, 
kind of blurted out, well, let me know if you need any help because our church has got a van and I'd be up for helping you if you like. And he's like, what's your daily rate? And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of my daily rate. Uh, No, I was like, don't be daft, mate. I don't want money for this. And uh, his reaction really caught me off guard. While I was kind of... He was saying, oh, you, that is so kind. Why on earth would you do that? And then he kind of like, tried to hug me sort of thing. And um, I don't know if you've ever been caught off guard with a hug coming. It was like a half hug and it was really weird because I was carrying my shop in and it was just bizarre. But I think it was a good thing. Anyway, we've, we've chatted about all he needs moving and I slightly panicked. I was thinking, oh, I'll just give you a quick hand with the odd chair. He's got, like, these huge sofas and everything. Um, So he's like, I can't believe your church and your friends would be up for helping me. So I hope it's okay, but I kind of preemptively, like, offered that all of you would help. So sorry, not sorry, because we're really about creating kingdom opportunities and, and seizing the moment to show and to share Jesus. Honestly, we've got to be intentional. Please don't think this is a special thing that only certain people get to do. I think you could all bumble into conversations <laughs> like that. It, it, honestly, it does not come easily to me. The, the scanner conversation will be the sort of thing you'll see in years to come on, you've been framed or something like that. It's like, what is this guy on? But isn't it worth a few silly moments, a few moments where you look silly to see the kingdom expanded in others? It's so easy just to float through life. I've known so many people, I've bumped into so many people where my lack of an intentional edge has, has meant that they've, they've just come and they've gone in my life without having their eternal destiny changed. I was, the, the car wash near us has been closed for a few weeks and um, I've got to know the guys quite well. One of the perks of being intentional is I now get discount on my car wash. Um, <laughs> No, that's a joke. Actually, it's true. I do get a discount on my car wash, but that's not why I'm intentional. So it's been closed and it's reopened and I caught up with the guys and we're high-fiving and, you know, telling them that I'd I'd, (laughs) do at the car wash. I was thinking about the hug because it was just after the other guy. I was like, that's too far. But I'd miss seeing them and, you know, I intentionally just found a few ways to name drop Jesus. And I came away and I thought, next time I need to go back with some hot chocolates, Costa, and I need to invite them to something, to be part of something more, to the next step. You know, demonstration of the kingdom leads to proclamation of the kingdom. We demonstrate the kingdom through acts of kindness and signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, I just mean by taking risks. It's really on God. we just got to take a risk. That's really what it is. We, We proclaim it once we've shown it and we seek to share then something of Jesus. We see if the demonstration (laughs) leads to an opportunity for proclamation. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they look at me like I'm a little bit odd and sometimes I end up getting discount at the car wash. Now, that's that's not my point, but I I don't just want to see people come to faith in here. I love that and I'm excited for that, but I believe that actually it's meant for out there. We're meant to see people come to faith in our daily lives. Are we living intentionally? The fourth reflection, I, I believe God is birthing something in us in compassion for this city. I believe it's going to grow. I believe it's going to continue to grow as we keep investing in it. Jesus was born in a stable. There was no room at the inn. He was born alongside animals in the dirt and the straw and 
a moment that forever punctuates our timeline of history. God became a man and came into the world to live as we do, to know laughter, tears, joy, pain, hurt, and compassion. And this season always touches me afresh with the reality that Jesus cared enough to experience life with us. Not only that he came, but he stayed. Christmas wasn't just a remarkable event, it was the beginning of a remarkable story that we still live in. A story of hope and relationship that we can know and have relationship with God. But also that God has and longs to more move into the neighbourhood and dwell among us. We forever need to pour into this city. It's hard to reach into the city when we stay in the building and when our ministry models revolve around expanding services. We've got to lean into the lost and the hurting and the marginalised and the lonely. We've always been a church that longs to prioritise the city. Can I just take a moment to celebrate what is? The, this isn't, I don't think, for us just language. This is a lifestyle. That's what God is doing among us. But equally, we can't settle for what we see. More is ahead. I love what's going on. I love what's happening with the van this Christmas. Not that only are we continually trying to fill it to meet some practical needs, but that we're seeing others drawn into kingdom moments. That others, through the networks and partnerships that you're creating, we've seen local schools having the chance to fill the van. We're called to lead other people into the things of God. Now, I love that, but we can't settle there. It's, it's been said a, a few times, we can't just give people a fish, we need to give them a fishing rod. We can't just meet their needs, we need to help them meet their own needs, to have dignity and to be valued. That is so true. And as we push into for more and as we see things grow, it will move beyond just, just the immediate meeting of needs. It needs to move into reaching into relationships and interacting with the people that, that have the need. But this isn't just about handouts. This is about relationship. Equally, actually, I think we're going to need to go a step further. We, we have to not just give them a fishing rod, we've got to give them the fishing rights. We've got to find ways to give people access and ownership of the lake. Now, do you see what I mean? Because I think that's actually really important. I love some of the work you guys are involved in and we just heard a little bit about with Manchester citizens. We, we've got to start to shape policy and strategy to work not only practically but through some of the wider channels of influence that would really bring change to this city. I believe in the, the new year we're going to have to take some steps of faith to press in harder and further with some of that. Before we move with our hands, we've really got to be moved in our hearts. I found it utterly heartbreaking reading some of the news articles over this last week. Over 2,000 children in Manchester. That's in Manchester, not Greater Manchester. Manchester is a much smaller area. Over 2,000 children are going to be living in temporary accommodation this Christmas. Back in 2014, that was 140 children. Devastating, reading some of the conditions that they have rat-infested duvets, maggots, lice, environments where they're exposed to substance abuse. It's utterly heartbreaking reading that the 
the food bank shortages, some of which just to the one that we've been working closely with, is predominantly toiletries and toilet rolls. You know, I'm not trying to make a joke of this, so don't hear me the wrong way, but just for a moment, think of spending Christmas without toilet roll. God became a man. God as a fetus. Holiness sleeping in the womb. The creator of life was created with eyebrows, eyes, kidneys. He pushed against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluid of his mother. God came near. It almost feels slightly irreverent to ponder it that way. It feels easier to keep humanity out of the incarnation, but we can't. We need to let him into the muck of our world so that he can pull us out. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus that walk into this city. I can't bear knowing some of those things. I believe God is birthing in us a compassion for this city and it's growing and it's going to keep growing as we keep investing in it. The fifth reflection is, will you see it? Will you see it this Christmas? The stuff that I've just talked about, will you see it? You know, we committed to praying for the 10,000 homes around this venue to walk the streets, to post a little card through some of their doors, to pray for each house. We recently went over the, the, the 10,000 mark, but it's not job done. You know, I, I think times like that changes. Change me as we walk the streets, as we walk up to houses, as we look in people's eyes, as we see and understand the people and the places and the, the, we feel the need. It shapes you. We need them as much as they need us. Will you commit this Christmas to let the people and the needs of this city stir you? This last week, one of the small groups put together gift bags for women trapped in sex work who will face poverty and isolation from loved ones this Christmas. Over the last few weeks, a number of you have worked, as I mentioned, with local schools to fill the van, creating opportunities not only to see the need yourself, but to draw others into practically loving and serving this city, to, to extend and step into extending the kingdom of God. We've, we've got to see it to shape it. We've got to see it to pray for it. We've got to find ways to roll up our sleeves and to get our hands dirty. The, the sixth reflection is, do we, do we run from it or do we run to it? You know, if I'm, if I'm honest, there are things in this city, there's some of the challenges and issues, some of the people and some of the responses I've personally faced that have caused me to want to run from it and at times probably run from it, to shy away to see fear rather than faith to think it's too big and it's just too daunting to do anything about it, to put the light under a bowl instead of put it on a stand. But honestly, we're supposed to... We're not supposed to import culture. We're supposed to export it. We've got something very special here and we've got to give it away. We've got to see it multiplied. This isn't a retreat centre where we hide away and shy away from the world. We're, we're an armoury. We're an armoury that this refreshes us, it encourages us, it refocuses us. It gives us the opportunity to give away some of the hope, the power and the presence of God. The hope, the joy and the life that we have to those around us. We don't run from it, we run to it. 
The seventh reflection is, is this. Jesus came in weakness and vulnerability. Jesus has gone through the whole of human experience from family life and cramping restrictions around hard work and a lack of money and the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, death, despair. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain for us. He had the infinite highness of being almighty God and yet he became one of us enmeshed in our condition in order to know darkness. He saved us by going to the cross and he did so voluntarily, freely, out of sheer love. The divine light of the world bringing new life to replace our spiritual deadness because he shows us truth that can heal our spiritual blindness and break our addictions to money, sex, power or, or whatever it might be. Do you, do, you, do you see that we're taught to come in weakness? and find that he's our strength. Then you find that so liberating to know that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know it all, to be it all, to have done it all. You don't have to feel like you have to hold it all together. You don't have to feel like you have to be so spiritually strong, so physically strong, or so emotionally strong. I'm not, but he is. He is my strength. I, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. So we come in weakness, we come in vulnerability, which then means I can put my stuff, my hurts, my baggage, my pain, my insecurities, my fears, my worries, my humanness on the chair in front of him and let him heal and restore me. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. He's not just born to us, he's given us he's ours then only in as much as we accept him it's a gift but it's only yours if you're willing to receive it as a gift of grace that in itself that is a that's an act of surrender i can't but you can i'm not but you are jesus i think just teaches us to come in weakness and to come in vulnerability the eighth reflection hurt people hurt people freed people, free people. This, this is kind of the bit where I'd want to recite the 12 days of Christmas. You know, the, some of the things we've said before just overlap, I think, with this. It links to weakness and vulnerability. It links to um, because you, you grow older, you don't actually necessarily grow wiser. Jesus came to set you free. To set you free, you need to acknowledge that you need freeing from something. What, what do we need freeing from? What lie, what hurt, what insecurity, what trapping, what addiction, what need for control, what secret shame, what family hurt. If we carry and harbour hurt, we pass it on to other people. I don't know if this is plagiarism, if you nick it from your wife, but Steph said at um, Cause to Live For, she said we, we either transform our pain or we transmit it. You know, it's so true. Unless... Unless we get it to Jesus, we give it to others, basically. I, honestly, I don't look for pain. I look for Jesus. But the more I see of Jesus, the more I see of my pain and my weakness and my stuff that he needs to heal. But some of our pain is on show. Some of our pain we do see or we do know about it. 
and we either get it to him or we give it to others. He came to set you free. Don't not be set free. Why would you sit in a prison cell where the door is open and you could walk out and not walk out? Or at least it could be open. Or at least it should be open and you could walk out. You know, this could be a point in itself, but we can't be spiritually mature whilst being emotionally immature. We've got to get in touch with our hearts and our emotions and the influence and the impact that they have on us and therefore have on others. Reflection 9, I have spent so long trying to find another way to say this because you're going to look at me and think, you always say that. Say something else. So what I was going to say is, honestly, I really recommend you join a small group. Get around people that walk out life alongside you. But I came up with a way better way of saying it, which I actually prefer. We need to know you to grow you. I know. Try that. Don't, I don't mean me personally, but I mean we need to be known. We need to be formed into smaller pockets of community where people love us and walk out stuff alongside us. We've got to get into environments where we're shaped. It requires an unbelievable commitment and stickability. At times, it may be quite uncomfortable. But I think we're purposed for community, we're purposed for relationship to be shaped and moulded through interactions of rubbing shoulders with others. Fundamentally, we're a relational people. We're a church, we're a family, we're about relationship. We need to be known and we need to know others. That doesn't stop at the confines of the church. I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe we can have divine appointments with others as we share our faith with complete strangers and see them respond to the gospel. Also, I believe as relational people, we need to know others to, to grow them. I'm getting to know a guy who lives near us. It's a long story of how I know him, and I won't share the detail because I'm hoping he'll join us soon and he'll share his own story. But you know, as we hang out and eat chips or whatever we do, I've, I've shared in the most appropriate way I can stuff about Jesus. But to do that, to invest in him, to grow him, I've got to know him. I've stood with him at the urn of the ashes of his family members as he's wanted me to share in those life moments. I've taken photos of commemorative plaques of his family members because it's meant so much to him. Do you see what I mean? It's not always about our immediate neighbours. It happens, actually, one of our neighbours we get on really well with is a good friend. But I know for many of you, your immediate neighbours, sometimes it can be quite hard and painful. But who do you know? Who could you know? We, we need to know people to grow people, and that's not something that is just restricted to the church thing. Join a small group, yeah. Be in relationship with people, absolutely, but know others. We, we need to export the culture that God has given us. The, the tenth reflection is, is faith is not knowing. Faith is not knowing. I think we spend our lives trying to know and it takes the faith out of it. I need to know what's next. I need to know where I'm going to live, what job I'm going to have, what my salary will be, who I'm going to marry, who my key friends are going to be, what I'm going to be doing in five years, ten years, all of that stuff. I, I need to know when I'll get the next job because the job I'm doing is so unfulfilling, so under-stimulating, and it's kind of doing my head in. 
Yeah, but faith is not knowing. Not seeing and trusting anyway. Trusting God for where you are and for what you are doing and having hope regardless. Faith is stepping out into the unknown and the unseen and trusting that God has got it anyway. We can spend our whole lives trying to secure things down and remove the faith element. I don't know if you do that. I do that all the time. I'm trying to remove the faith element. But God has called us to be a people of faith that are supposed to live by faith, not by sight. It causes us to keep our eyes on Jesus and let him do what he does. So as you look ahead to the next year, where's your faith opportunities? How can you just turn up the dial of faith in your life? How can you create environments where it's just going to need faith? Situations where you need faith, and if it doesn't, if God doesn't move, you're going to fall flat on your face. Because they're the environments where we see the kingdom extended and, and break in. Reflection 11. We're, we're a family. I've shared with many of you before, I've found earthly family quite hard. It's complex for me for many reasons. The church has always been my family. The people who look out for me, speak into my life, encourage me, champion me, challenge me. It's not easy, is it? In fact, it's quite hard at times. But when we see each other as family, I think that changes how we relate. It changes how we interact, how we speak to each other. I don't then come here just to dip in and dip out, grab and dash away. We don't have colleagues. We're not like business associates. We raise sons and daughters, mothers and fathers and grandparents. Do you see what I mean? I think that's so different. We're a family. Can I, can I ask you to reflect on that? Because I think it will change you. We've got to keep coming back to it. We're a family. We're a family. He places us in a family. He places the lonely in families. Is, is Christmas lonely and hard? has been for me at times in my life. But he places us in a family. It's so, so important. It's so transformational to how we see ourselves. Twelfth reflection. Can I just finish where I started? Please forgive me, honestly, if I've not made enough of Jesus, even this morning. Here's why I want to encourage us to read our Bibles more in the new year, because I want us to discover and understand more of who Jesus is. As the more we read, the more we understand, the more we look in every page, every verse, every chapter, where's Jesus? Because in Genesis, he's the creator and the promised redeemer. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the water. In the desert, in Deuteronomy, he becomes the curse for us. In Joshua, the commander of the Lord's armies. In Judges, the deliverer. He delivers us from injustice. In Ruth, he's our kingsman, redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's all in one. He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. In 2 Samuel, he's the king of grace and love. In 1 Kings, a ruler greater than Solomon. In 2 Kings, the powerful prophet. In 1 Chronicles, the son of David that is coming to rule. In 2 Chronicles, the king who reigns eternally. In Ezra, the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, the one who restores what is broken. 
in Esther, the protector of his people, in Job, the mediator between God and man, in the Psalms, he's our song in the morning and at night, in the Proverbs, he's our wisdom, in Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of for our lives, in the Song of Solomon, the author of faithful love, in Isaiah, the suffering servant, in Jeremiah, the weeping Messiah, in Lamentations, he assumes God's wrath for us, in Ezekiel, the son of man, in Daniel, the stranger in the fire with us, in Hosea, the faithful husband, even when we run away. In Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. In Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, he's the judge of those who do evil. In Jonah, the great missionary. In Micah, he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In Nahum, he proclaims the future world peace we cannot even imagine. In Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, the warrior who saves. In Haggai, he restores our worship. In Zechariah, he prophesies a Messiah pierced for us. In Malachi, the son of righteousness who will bring healing. In Matthew, the Messiah who is king. In Mark, the Messiah who is servant. In Luke, the Messiah who is a deliverer. In John, the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In Acts, the spirit who dwells in his people. In Romans, the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, the power and love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what is to come. In Galatians, he is our very life. In Ephesians, the unity of the church. In Philippians, the joy of life. In Colossians, he holds the supreme position above and over all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he's the comforter in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he's our returning king. In 1 Timothy is the saviour of the worst of sinners. In 2 Timothy is the leader of leaders. In Titus, the foundation of truth. In Philemon, he's our mediator. In Hebrews, he's our high priest. In James, he matures our faith. In 1 Peter, he's our hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, the one who guards us from false teaching. In 1 John, the source of our fellowship. In 2 John, God in the flesh. In 3 John, the source of truth. In Jude, he protects us from stumbling. In Revelation, he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the one who is coming again, and the one who makes all things new. Will you know and make much of Jesus this Christmas? Don't miss the reason for the season. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, it's a gift. But it's only yours in as much as you're willing to receive it. Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.